The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. I don't think he's here to say thanks. Tom Moxley has deployed on this squared circle at the MGM Grand Garden Arena with a twinkle in his eye, and Jericho is ticked. All right, so this is going to be a huge episode of Talk is Jericho, and I just want to say as a precursor uh, before we get into it, and we're going to get right into it, but we've recorded this a few days before Double or Nothing and a few days before John Moxley uh, surprise attacked me in the ring and uh, gave me a, 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 a dirty D's at EDT. So I'm not happy about that, and uh, if, I, if he was here right now, I'd slap him in his face. But uh, as a journalist, uh, this interview is, is is unbelievable, and I'm very happy with that. So even though uh, Dean Ambrose has a has an ass kicking coming to him, um, this is his uh, first interview since leaving the WWE, and man, he's got a lot to say. So uh, let's get right into it right here: the emancipation of John Moxley on Talk Is Jericho. Okay, so um, it was a pretty crazy weekend. Uh, Double or nothing was huge. Lots of surprises, lots of great matches. But one of the biggest surprises, if not the biggest, was the appearance, uh, the addition of John Moxley to AEW. And um, you've been on this podcast a few times, Paranormal Podcast, one with Jeff Hardy. The difference was back then we were both in WWE. And now here we are, both full-time members of, of All Elite Wrestling, which still seems a little weird for me, but I'm actually glad to have you because it's one other guy that kind of came from that system. I'm very glad to be here because, Chris, my friend, it is time to talk. <clears throat> Finally, after a bizarre few months, it's been crazy because throughout all of this, I mean, I guess it's been five months or so since the mm -hmm. uh, uh, rumors or whatever leaked that I was planning on uh, leaving WWE at the end of April. You know, the world went into pandemonium, and you know, I'm sitting there listening to everybody give their opinion and get all these different rumors, and everybody's talking about it. 
the announcers are talking about it while I'm in the ring. The fans know, and I haven't said a word mm -hmm. throughout this whole process. Interesting, yeah. I've just been. I didn't. I didn't ask them to put out a weird press release or bring it up on commentary or none of. I just. I haven't said a word. The only thing that was close to a word I even said was uh, we had the little interview with Michael Cole, and I said something at the very end, and that was only out of self-preservation because I had a feeling I was getting set up, mm. so I was ready, and I beat him to the punch. And even that, I didn't really give any information out. What did you so, say? Uh, you know, I said, I just gave him the line that, you know, I walked in this casino eight years ago, and now I'm cashing in my right. chips. That didn't give any information. And I, that was only out of self-preservation because I thought that was some kind of like setup where they're going to try to like, breaking news, John Moxley can't hack it in WWE, so he's going to go pursue a career in the minor leagues or something mm -hmm. like that, you know? Mm -hmm. So I was ready for that. Um, but hey, man. You know, we're sitting here at my kitchen table and uh, my beautiful home, and I, I have never been happier. Mm. I am at the absolute apex of life right now. I feel so good. I feel like I feel like the weight of the world has been lifted off of my shoulders. And and nothing but gratitude toward WWE. Nothing but positivity over here, nothing but gratitude. Uh that place, I'm so grateful for my run there. You know, that place changed my life. Uh when I walked in there, I was a kid. You know, now I'm an adult. I grew up there in a lot of ways. In a lot of ways I'm a different person than I was when I started there. In a lot of ways I learned a lot of life skills and have grown as a person during my time there. I mean, it was almost eight years ago exactly, in May of 2011. I got my little beater car and I drove 24 hours straight nonstop from Philly to Tampa with nothing but, you know, my gym bag full of wrestling gear and whatever cash I had in my pocket was all I had to my name. And now, you know, eight years later, I got to live my dream. I got to do so many amazing things, you know, in the ring in WWE. I got the opportunity and the real the real blessing to be a part of a big part of like the make-a-wish program and to connect with so many fans all over the world and to be um you know it's something i kind of took seriously over you know my whole time there no matter what i was mad about or you know i'm mad about creative or whatever i always tried to remember that like you know you know it, it's hard to until you are one of those guys doing like make-a-wish stuff and you meet these fans from all over the world and they tell you these stories about how you, you know, help them persevere through whatever, you know, they did. When I always took that responsibility very seriously, you know, so I was always great, very uh, grateful for that. And, uh, you know, if, if nothing else, over all these past eight years, I met my wife in WWE. Right. Who's my best friend and my soulmate. And if we got nothing else out of this run, you know, I got her. And, you know, I always tell her, I'm like, yo, if things ever get too weird... We'll just sell all this stuff. We'll just hop in an RV and we'll hit the road, babe, because all we need is each other. Mm -hmm. So needless to say, the last eight years couldn't have been any more successful. And full of gratitude to WWE for that. So now that I got that out of the way, let's just bury the company for the next two hours. <laughs> well, I mean, let, let, let's let's because I'm the same same way. Just you know, so so we're on the same page, which you know that. But so everybody listening, I love the WWE. I wrestled there for 18 years. Had no intentions of ever wrestling anywhere else other than for the WWE and for Vince McMahon until the opportunity came to work with Kenny Omega at the Tokyo Dome last year. And when I did that match, I realized. And this is actually really fun. And um, reasons which I'm sure we'll get into. 
a lot more free. Uh, I felt more like an artist. I felt more like there was no chains or restrictions for what I could and couldn't do. I was allowed to be Chris Jericho, a 28-year vet who knew how to put together a wrestling match. And after that, I realized I want to stay in Japan for a bit. I did three or four matches in Japan. And then when the opportunity for AEW came up, I really started thinking, do I want to go back to WWE? Because I know what to expect. I know what's going to happen. I know what it's like. For you, because like you mentioned, I hadn't seen you for a couple of years. Because my last run there, you got hurt and you were gone. And when then I was gone, what, what and where did you start to realize that maybe I don't want to stay here and continue in this system? I knew, pretty much knew, that I was gone in July of 2018. And at that point, I was out with an injury. I uh, tore my tricep, and uh, normally that would only be like a four-month thing, but it was so banged up and bruised because I had been working on it, uh, hurt for a long time, and it was just the tendon was all mangled and everything, so I mean, it was like minimum six months. Then I got a staph infection, and then I had to go in for surgery again. It turned into like a whole, it turned into nine months. It was a mess. It was a very miserable time in my life, very challenging. Uh, in July is, is when I knew. Before we get to that, Let's dive right into some good stuff, mm -hmm. right? I kind of want to tell a couple stories. And I'm going to try to tell them almost from like an objective third-person standpoint, you know? Mm -hmm. And just kind of let the viewer decide if this is ridiculous or not, mm -hmm. right? And going to kind of shine a light on the creative process that goes on in WWE. What, to give the fans a glimpse into what it was actually like, a day in the life, of Dean Ambrose, right? So the first one I'm going to tell you is the day that I physically looked at the calendar and started counting down the days. The other one will be the day that I absolutely knew 100%, no turning back, I am gone. A day I almost walked out. Because, you know, even though I knew in July, I knew the whole time that I wasn't going to quit. I wasn't going to ask for my release. I wasn't going to try to get fired. Uh, anything like that, I was just gonna ride it out to the very end for a couple of reasons. One, I'd just rather not do business like that if I don't have to. Uh, my wife works there. I didn't wanna put, it would've been unfair to put her in a position of any awkwardness, you know? And, you know, we get all the way to April 30th, the clock strikes midnight, I'm just free and I get all my royalties, mm. you know? So if they're gonna sell a Shield DVD in Cambodia two years from now, I'm getting my 2.7 cents. You better <laughs> believe that. Right. Yeah. So, okay, this, all right. You know what? Before I even do that, I'm going to give you even, we're going to start off with a little snippet. I'm going to give you a pre-appetizer, right? Before we tell these, and then maybe go back and tell the linear story mm -hmm. of what my 2018 sure. looked like. Pre-appetizer. And a moose bouche, if you will. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com, to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. So one day I, you know, I come into TV like normal at this time. I think I'm on SmackDown. I'm a very, uh, I'm a good guy. I'm a baby face, a pretty major good guy on the show. Basically the lead good guy on the show at this point. I come in and I get a backstage promo handed to me from a writer. Writer is going to be a key word in this. 
podcast you will find. So, and the word script. I get a script handed to me by a writer, right? <laughs> and it's a backstage promo, and it's uh, me describing the things I did on the way to the arena that day. And it's, I can't remember exactly what the things were because they were so ridiculous. And this isn't an isolated incident. There's hundreds of these promos that have happened over the years that they all, you know, get lost in the shuffle. But it was three or four things. They weren't things that a cool person does, that a relatable person does, that a guy you want to ha- hang, uh, sorry, a guy you want to have a beer with does. Not even things a guy you would root for does. These are things that an idiot would do. Like things along the lines of like driving backwards on the street in a unicycle or, uh, you know, sharing a pizza with a homeless man on the street, just weird stuff like that. So I'm like, I'm not saying any of that. All right, so I'm like, change all that. Rewrite it just to something normal. Go about my business. Writer comes back to me later. Vince redid it, put all that stuff back in. So I'm like, oh, God, now I have to go in and talk to Vince. Because you're supposed to be the wacky kind of kooky guy who does, you know, the whatever, the unexpected. So therefore, you would ride a unicycle backwards for 30 feet. Yeah, whatever it was, something like that. So I'm like, so if you you can't get it through without having to go in there, now Vince has rewritten it himself. Now now it's out of the writer's hands. Now I got to go in and talk to Vince. All right. Go in and talk to Vince. I'm like, yo, what all this stuff? I can't say all this stuff. What's ridiculous? You know? And he's like, oh, it's such good shit. Oh, this stuff. This is the, this is the reason people like you. You know, it's why they connect you because you know you're you're different and it's so you know this is you. And I've had a million conversations with him that are almost this exact same conversation about similar promos or things. You know, this is you. It's such good shit. This is what makes you you. And I said. So I'm an idiot. And he goes, no, it's you. You're different. And I'm like, okay. And I don't know where that particular, where we landed on that particular promo or whatever. But that's just an example of. He saw you. That kind of sums up the battle I've been fighting for six years. Right. So now let me take you to the day. I'm going to try and just kind of tell this almost as a narrator and not try to be emotionally invested in it. This is the day that I started. I remember being in the writer's room, pulling out my phone and counting the days and being like, okay, how many days? I got 99 days left or 146 days or whatever. And I'm like, that's what, 12, 15 rolls? I can do that. I can get through 12 more rolls or whatever it was. So we're in LA. Early start. Show starts at five. So get there around noon. Seth gets there at the same time as me, working with Seth. Uh, I'm a bad guy at this point. I'm a heel. Get to the arena and immediately a bunch of writers come up to me with a bunch of scripts and the thread throughout the show is that Seth Rollins will be challenging me to come out to the ring and fight and I'll pop up on the screen and cut a promo and then cut various promos I got like six promos throughout the night saying a bunch of stuff and then at the very end we finally have a big fight in the ring right so it's gonna be a long day a lot of running around some are gonna be live some gonna be pre-taped even pre-tape ones that should take 30 seconds, as you know, in WWE, they take can take 40 minutes. Yeah. And like redo it and retake yeah, it and yeah. prove it. Because the lighting's gotta be perfect, et cetera, et cetera. So they hand me these scripts. And to my eye, all the things that are on these script, it's typical WWE script. It's a bunch of words, a bunch of big words, a bunch of goofy words. None of it makes any sense to me. 
Uh, we're not telling any kind of tangible story. We're not doing anything to get any kind of uh, characters over. Or any, no, nothing that makes any sense to me. So, you know, typical. So, the, but the one, I'm, uh, the one I'm most concerned with is the in-ring promo at the end of the night. We'll worry about all these other little backstages. We'll deal with them when we get to them. I'm most concerned with uh, the in-ring promo at the end of the night, SIG 16. So we go into the writer's room. I start reading this promo. And uh, again, I'm not trying to pass judgment, but to my eye, in my opinion, this is absolute hot garbage, awful crap. <laughs> I, you can't make any sense of it. I don't know what we're even saying. The main gist of it was that the people are smelly, disgusting people and they're foul disgusting people you can kind of just see vince saying these words oh liverpool sounds like a skin disease you know that's i was there that night oh yeah <laughs> so uh you just picture the vince face or whatever i don't know i don't know who wrote this but you know if if it was you be ashamed of yourself so it's a bunch of crap about you know the people are smelly and insulting the audience it doesn't make any sense and it doesn't get anything over i'm confused so I'm like, okay. But, but the thing that catches my eye the most is a, a joke about a pooper scooper. I'm going to let that hang in the air for a minute. I'm going to let you really absorb it, and then I'm going to say it again. Pooper scooper. Like something along the lines of like, oh, I wouldn't come out there without a pooper scooper. And I'm like, I'm not saying that. No. So I'm like, let's change it. So I'm like, did Vince write this? We're like, we don't know who wrote it. So... All right, so event, so now the, here's how the creative process works in WWE. It doesn't really make any sense. I still don't know how it works. But so now it's like, okay, Vince is in the meeting. So we have to try to rewrite it, send it in to Koski, have it reprinted, and put it in front of Vince without the pooper scooper line. Because if he sees it, he's going to fall in love with it. And then he's going to be like, oh, you got to say the pooper scooper line. It's such good shit. So we're like, okay, hurry up and... Uh, <laughs> Hurry up and take out the pooper scooper line, right? So he writes something along the lines of like, he tries to make it more like, we're in LA, he tries to insult the content of their characters more so than their actual smell. Says something along the lines of like, oh, LA, shallow trash. I wouldn't come out here without a gas mask or something. Remember that, because it's going to be important later. And then I'm like, uh, yeah, okay, whatever. I might have said that line, but not whatever, you know. But we'll worry about it later. Let's just get it in front of Vince without the pooper scooper line. Cause I'm like, I'm just, that's just too embarrassing. I can't say that. So anyway, we get it in, we send it in, we cross our fingers that Vince sees our version and not the, uh, the original version. So then I go off to do now. I'm, now I'm a little bit exhausted just from this insanity. Right. So I'm going off to do the next promo that was in the hallway with another writer and I'm reading it. And again, it doesn't make any sense. I don't really know what I'm saying or what points I'm making or how I'm supposed to be getting any heat or telling any story or anything. And I'm like, I tell the writer, I said, you know, if we didn't have to run around trying to like make ourselves not look like idiots and get rid of pooper scooper lines and stuff like that, you know, we could actually sit down and tell a story. And, you know, we're just, we're all just in self-preservation mode, trying to not look like idiots instead of like creating good things. And he's like, ah, I, I don't know, uh, you know, whatever. So whatever, do that promo. I think that one's pre-taped. Come back in the writer's room. And I'm like, any update? No update yet, but we did get this. Notes from BKM. And it says, notes from BKM. Dean needs to understand why he needs to insult the audience. Dean needs to read his promos verbatim and not try to rewrite them. And I'm just like, ah, oh, 
just like the feeling of getting punched in the gut like just like what and and i said the writer it's not his fault but i yelled at him he just took the brunt of it i was like why do i work here I'm i'm a professional wrestler who can tell stories and come up with promos and i can I believe that I have the ability to talk people into buildings and I'd learned those skills years ago and wanted to bring them here to WWE. And you just want me to say your stupid lines. If you want somebody to read your stupid lines, hire an actor because they'll probably do a better job of it than me. I'm not interested in doing it. Like, so I'm just like, oh, so we'll still just hope that we got the our version in before the pooper scooper version, right? So I go off to do another promo. I believe this one was live. And again, doesn't really make any sense to me. I'm just like saying stuff. And earlier I had to go into Vince because in this promo, there's a line that's a very distasteful line taking a jab at my friend who had leukemia and is now uh, going off to recover from that, Roman Reigns. Something, I don't remember what the line was, but I went, I, I'm not saying, are you kidding me? Right? So I'm like, I'm going right into Vince on this one. This is clearly a mistake. A cheap heat line. Yeah, this is leukemia. clearly a mistake, right? So I go into, like, I think it was in production meeting at the time, and I'm like, hey, real quick, this is, <laughs> surely you don't want me to say this. And he's like, he's like, oh, no, but Roman's part of the story. We got to make sure he's still included. You turn on him and Seth. And he, and he kind of explains it to me. And like he says, you know, you just say the thing about Roman or they just include him. And he says it in kind of an innocuous way where it kind of didn't seem so bad coming out. of it. I was like, uh, OK. And all the writers are like, oh, you got to say. It. And basically, he gave me the, the Vince Jedi mind trick. Yes. Which I'm pretty immune to at this point. But every once in a while, he still, he gets still get it. Yeah. And it's, it's my fault. I got Jedi'd. Whatever. So I'm like, oh, okay, right. So I think this one we did live. I cut the promo. As soon as that line left my mouth, I went, oh my God, I can't believe I just said that. Do you remember what the line was? It was just something about like, he's got cancer, sucks to be him, something like that. Right, right, right. Not cool. Especially like with, I mean, come on. Mm -hmm. You know, like, dude. So, and it's like in the middle of all this trying to get pooper scooper lines out of the scripts. I, I don't even realize mm-hmm. that this horrible thing that I shouldn't be saying that I said, it's like, oh my God, you know? So now I go back into the writer's room. This is getting to be an exhausting day, right? And if you're having trouble following all this, imagine what it was like mm-hmm. to be me, right? So now I go back into the writer's room and success. We got the, the our version of the promo in before the pooper scooper line, right? So, and also remember, Keep in mind during all this, this is a billion-dollar company run by a man who's allegedly a genius. And keep in mind, we're all adults, mm-hmm. and we're talking about stuff like this. So good news. We got it in before the pooper scooper line. But when he wrote that, the whatever line he wrote, something I wouldn't come out here without a gas mask or whatever. Now I read the new promo. Now this is written by Vince. And it says, Dean Ambrose enters wearing a surgical mask. You know, like the cert, like a mask, like a doctor would wear to like protect you against diseases, diseases from the smelly, disgusting people, and it's just more of the same smelly, disgusting people. What is that smell? Just what the hell is that smell? And just I'm like, I'm so embarrassed. I'm like, are you kidding me? Because he saw the gas mask. Was see? Here's where he made a mistake. He used a noun because na- you got to watch out for nouns because Vince will turn a noun into a prop real quick. So now I'm wearing a surgical mask. And he's like, yeah, he wants you to wear a surgical mask tonight. And then next week, come out with a gas mask. And then the next week, come out with a full hazmat suit to protect myself against the disgusting fans. And I'm like, oh, my God. So I'm like, now I got to go into Vince again. Again. And I'm like, I remember I walked up, walked up to his office where he is at this point, And Koski was about to go in to go over something or whatever. And I'm like... 
hey, can, can I just, can I go in real quick? I just got to do this. And he's like, okay, cool. And then I was about to walk in. I went, can you just give me 30 seconds though first? Cause I, mean, I remember physically leaning on a, uh, like a road case and just feeling like actual exhaustion, mm. just like emotional, physical, mental exhaustion. And not so much because of that day, but because of six years of this, mm -hmm. six years of having to go into this man's office, this old man, and try to explain to him why wearing a surgical mask is a stupid idea, why carrying a little red wagon to the ring is a stupid idea, why maiming a mannequin in the ring is a stupid idea. I was just like, I, I was done. I was just, mm -hmm. you know, like, and I'm like, so I go in and I'm like, Yo, I tried to explain it that like I don't think people will be able to understand me if they can't see my mouth moving. He's like, oh, you know, but it's such, you know. So we came to some kind of compromise where I have like a handkerchief, which is a little less embarrassing. And he's like, oh, you know, you just, it's so you. You don't want to lose that, that thing that makes you you because you have so much creative license. You can do anything. You know what I mean? You could check with props, you know, see if maybe you could put a clothespin on your nose. I don't know, something like that. And I'm thinking, what creative license? What creative license do I have? I do exactly what you tell me, and it's terrible crap. That's not creative license, you know? So I'm like, oh, my God. So whatever. Do the promo with the handkerchief, whatever. And I remember I ran out of the building when I was done. I was, we had a big fight that kind of was hot. You know, I had a little bit of adrenaline. Everybody's super happy. People are high-fiving at the end of the show. Like, it was this great success. Got in the truck, went to the hotel, like, around the corner. And as soon as I got in the room, I just was like, First of all, I'm like, I need a drink right now. Mm -hmm. Second of all, I'm like, what a waste of time. We didn't accomplish anything. I have no, I was, I did six promos. I can't tell you what I said. I can't tell you what the story is. Our angle now is going to be dead if it wasn't dead already. You know, I don't even have words. I will say, and this is one of the reasons why I left WWE in uh, May of 17. And we went on tour with Fozzie, but there's a lot of people right after the Kevin Owens thing. Like, why would you leave right now? It, it, you know, the character's so hot. And, it's, and it, to me, I was mentally exhausted. Like you just said, because every week I had to do the same thing that you had to do. Go wait in front of his office, which takes forever. Maybe it's an hour. Maybe it's 45 minutes. Go in there and then you got to put on a show for the boss and convince him why your idea is the right way to go. It burns you out, man. Yeah, the match is the easy part. Yeah. And I'll tell you, I don't, you know, I always get irritated by like the the notion that comes from a lot of a lot of like former wrestlers, especially, or like attitude era type guys that like, oh, the, the guys today, they're scared. They're all they're scared to get fired. They're scared to stand up for themselves. They're scared to take risks. They're scared to go off script. They're scared to get fired. I've never been afraid to get fired. I've never not saying that like I'm so good or anything. I'm just saying I've never felt like me speaking up is gonna Right lead to me being fired i've never had that fear i always go in and give my opinion you know my my opinion of it is okay i'm gonna try to convince you that my idea is better but if i if i can't convince you of that by showtime you're the guy who writes my checks and i'm not just going to be a complainer i'm going to try to make the best out of this right you know so even, like even if you uh, even if if he doesn't go for your idea then then explain to me your idea let me let me comprehend what you yeah, want me to do like all right if i can't convince you that i shouldn't be walking in the ring eating a cuban sandwich then screw it i'm gonna go to the ring and i'm gonna make eating a cuban sandwich look so cool i'm gonna have mustard on my face and people are gonna be like damn he pulled that off better than anybody else could and i think i proved that i could do that a lot over the years you know do you want a beautiful lawn enter true green the easiest way to get a great lawn just water and mow and they'll do the rest weed control fertilization aeration and more true green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the pga tour and they have a verified best price which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality 
You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. All right, let's get back to uh, Moxley. On to the second story, right? This is the day that I knew 100% I was gone and there was no turning back. I actually almost walked out. Not really. Mm. I'm glad I didn't because I could have ended up in some legal stuff, whatever, you know? I mean, I knew I was gone in July, but I'm thinking like, why rush it? It's only eight more months or whatever from like September to April. What's eight months? And who knows? Maybe everything will change. Mm -hmm. Maybe, you know, who knows? So this day, Monday Night Raw takes place in Milwaukee. I wake up in the morning and I get a text from a writer, Ice Pick, my man, good guy. And explaining to me what I'm going to do that day. And it says... So you have a backstage where you will be with your own personal doctor who will be injecting you with rabies shots and all kinds of inoculations, um, however he explained it, to, to inoculate yourself against the disgusting fans. <laughs> and I replied, I can hate that. Mm -hmm. And he replied, yeah, I know. Mm -hmm. So I get to the building and I'm like... You can imagine the mood I'm in when I get to the building. Now the wor word just from my response has already circulated that I might not be very excited about this. So Michael Hayes coming up to me. Hey, how you doing, Dean? Uh, are you not very, not real excited about your promo? And I was like, no. What? You know, I've been talking about, the, I mean, talking about this for months. So like, why am I always doing this goofy crap? You know, this has been, this has been me and Vince butting heads on this since February. You know, like, we'll get to that later. But so, so they hand me this sheet. And it's just, oh, it's as bad as you imagine, right? And uh, then I got, I remember I got herded into like some kind of sexual harassment meeting that we all had to do or whatever. So I'm just sitting in this meeting while they're talking and I'm just staring at this promo and just seething. And I'm like, as soon as this meeting's over, I'm going to bolt right to Vince's office, right? And uh, so as soon as I get out of the door of the meeting, the writer's already in front of me and he's like, hey, uh, Vince wants to talk to you about this promo. He wants to make sure, he wants to make sure you know it's not comedy. So Vince anticipated that I was going to come storming in there and go, why am I doing all this prop comedy all the time? Because I've been because I've been having the same argument with him for like a year now. So anyway, I go into Vince's office. He's like, hey, pal. Uh, anyway, I, okay. so this promo. I want you to know this is not comedy. And he, he's got the promo in his hand. And he's like, you know, and he's pointing at it. And he's like, this is such good stuff. It's so well written. And it's going to get you a ton of heat. That's exactly what he said. Mm -hmm. It's so well written and it's going to get you a ton of heat. And he's explaining it to me. You know, you'll get, you know, rabies and of course, you know, uh, distemper, which, you know, people don't know that, you know, it's for dogs. And he's laughing. And I'm like thinking like, what? How is this? But, yeah, and I was, like, and I was like, I just feel, you know, and I remember saying something like it's just more of this carrot top prop comedy. And he's like, there's no props. And I'm like, then what is the actor we hired to play the doctor in the giant syringe? Is that not a prop? You know, so... And I had a feeling in my head that like this was going to be the last time I was going to say this to him. And I've had to say this to him a bunch of times. I went, if this is what you want on your show, I am the best man for the job. Because like I always do, when you throw me these crazy curveballs, I pull this stuff off if I can. So I'm going to do what I always do. And I'm going to give this my absolute best effort to make this good. If anybody can... It's me. 
And I kind of had a feeling like this is the last time I'm going to have to say this to him, mm -hmm. you know? And uh, he's like, I know you will. Get out of here, you scamp. Get to work, whatever. <laughs> so we go do the thing. It's awful. You know, I'm, I can't save it, you know? And uh, we were able to pre-tape that and uh, before the show. And it got greenlit by Vince. You know, everybody's high five. And Vince loved it. I'm like, great. Uh, so I was able to get out. I got a Southwest flight. And I was able to get out that night. I couldn't get out of that building any faster. I mean, I, I, earlier in the day, I'd been like thinking like, I was like, I got to walk out. I remember having like a feeling of like dizziness, like a, like a weird pit in my stomach feeling dizziness and talking to some of my friends, just like, I, I, gotta get, I can't work here. What is this? What are we doing? What, like, are they trying, like, it's so embarrassing, you know, like, like actual dizziness you know what i mean like i can't believe what's happening you know so i'm like i, I bolt out of there i go to the airport and i was just like i just sat down at the bar at the airport and was just like so depressed just like like because i was like that might be the thing because i always kept waiting to like when would be the thing that i couldn't recover from because you know you do have some stupid segment where everybody's like what is that ketchup and mustard what was he doing was you know or whatever and I, but then i can recover i was always able to recover I've, I, I remember sitting there thinking like that might be the one I just can't recover from, mm -hmm. you know. Right. And remember what I was saying about the the line in the uh, previous promo the week or so before. This promo also had a line regarding my actual friend who's going through actual leukemia that Vince wanted me to say that he tried to talk me into saying. This is where I, I absolutely drew the line. Like, I was like, absolutely not. No, and he's actually tried to talk me into it a little bit, but I I was like, absolutely not. And he's like, oh, if you feel uncomfortable, that's fine. You know, I'm like, no. That's where I had to finally put my Just foot down. Just another uh, cancer reference yeah. to Roman. And it's the, it is the worst line. You, mm. you cannot, I'm not going to say it on air. I'll tell you after we're done, mm. but I'm not even going to say it on air. That's wow. how bad it was. It would have been like a thing where like somebody would have had to get fired. Mm -hmm. Maybe me. Mm. They might have like lost sponsor, like the Susan G. Coleman and all that would have been like, you know, I, and I don't know who wrote it. I don't know if it was Vince himself or if, if it was a writer and you're listening right now, you should be ashamed of yourself. Like you, you wouldn't believe it mm -hmm. that, you know, but if I had just said it, if I just been like, okay, and just read the script, I can't imagine, you know, but I, I would have been, but it would have been on me, mm -hmm. not on Vince, you know? Uh, anyway, so that's that day. So those are just two examples of so, a day in the life of me when did this start uh getting this way for you you mentioned you're there for eight years but you said for six years I, like i mean when we were we worked together in 16 it wasn't like that i mean they, you were the lunatic fringe a little bit nuts but it wasn't like you were like this wacky i mean you did wacky stuff you know mitch the potted plant all that ridiculous shit but it, it wasn't like you know uh giving yourself inoculations from the you know stinky people in poughkeepsie i mean at least when i was a baby face i could still kind of be like lovable mm -hmm. you know and uh you know fans always stayed on my side you know throughout the crap you know what i mean they forgave me for some of the stupid mm -hmm. crap i was forced to do but even like when we were working together that's what i mean i was during that period of time i was starting to get really brain dead like, just like, I mean, we, we tried really hard to do, get cool stuff. We did some good stuff, but I mean, I was like pretty bra getting brain dead at that point, like starting to get like, cause it's like, they take wrestling away from you. Wrestling is my first love. My only love besides my wife that in my thing, I'm most passionate about. I love it. You know, I feel like now I got it back finally, you know, since I was 
a little kid. I was obsessed, mm -hmm. just watching tapes, always watching tapes, always thinking of promos. I want to watch all the wrestling. Just like uh, just, I love pacing around my house, just thinking of promos, waking up in the middle of the night because you just thought of a cool line, a way to tell a story of a match or whatever. Like, oh my God. And then I'm just pacing through the house, cutting promos of myself in the mirror. Promos used to be my favorite part of wrestling. Mm -hmm. I loved it. They, they ended up becoming my least favorite part, the part I dread. Because now it's not me coming up with ideas and, and coming up with a way to hook you into our story. It's me writing, me trying to not look like an idiot. Mm -hmm. Me trying to appease all these different people. You know what I mean? Sitting down with a writer while he's writing. Like, that is not how it's supposed to be, you know? It's like, when I first, they never had any plans for me as a baby face. Never. Mm -hmm. Right? When the shield broke up, I think they're going to do a little feud with me and Seth. And then if I just petered out and went away, they would have been fine with that. They had no idea I was going to get over and I got over on my own. My vision, you know, they had the authority and stuff at the time, you know, and which was kind of perfect for me. And my vision for the character kind of was like, okay, I have no idea how to be a baby face. I had no idea. So my thought was like, okay, 90% John McClane from Die Hard. And then like 10%, whatever, Dusty Rhodes, whatever uh, other people I'm inspired by. I don't know, Bret Hart, Big Japan Deathmatch guys, whatever, you know what I mean? But like, gets his ass kicked all the time, perseveres, walks through glass and bare feet, maybe throws a, a one-liner out there, which I'm capable of, which may have been one of my biggest mistakes. Because once I showed them that I had even the shred of com comedic timing, it was over. Now they're writing jokes for me. Mm -hmm. But it's like, I'll write my own jokes. If it's time for a joke, I'll know, you know? But yeah, so it's like, what? what? so I got over on my own. Because I think people really felt that, like, I felt like I was fighting for my life those first few months as a babyface. I'm like, everybody else is going to be pyro and all these crazy entrances. I'm just going to walk to the ring. No crazy, no entrance, no gimmicks, no, just, I'm fighting. And I really felt like I was, like, fighting for my life. And I think that's why the people uh, connected with me there. And then when they were like, whoa, we got over. And then I started selling a bunch of merchandise. Mm -hmm. And then they were like, now they have to get their hands on it and try to turn you into right. what they think you should be or whatever. And like, well, for whatever reason it is, me and Vince, like my particular type of charisma, Vince just can't just let me be. Mm -hmm. He's gotta like put a hat on me or put me in a goofy vehicle mm -hmm. or something. You know, it's it, whatever reason we're like Mentos and Diet Coke, man. Me and <laughs> me and Vince together just create this explosion of goofy nonsense that, mm -hmm. that I detest. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I tried my hardest and I always tried to stay positive and always tried to stay positive and be grateful for this opportunity that I have and felt like I had a responsibility to all these fans too. And that I was put in this position of like a make a wish guy and all that. And that might sound corny and stupid if you've never been in that position, but it's real. And also just like trying to save money, <laughs> trying, trying to, the ultimate goal was to be where we're at now, mm -hmm. you know? I mean, so to kind of go on a linear story of 2018 is like, so we started the year at surgery around Christmas from after said injury. And I was working hurt and, and just in a lot of pain and really miserable and just really not no adrenaline before matches. Just like couldn't wait to get out of the ring just because everything hurt. Everything was in like I was my arm was starting to just wither away. I couldn't do anything physically. I mean, it's and more injuries on top of that. I mean, I was just banged up like so when I go home from the surgery, I'm like, OK, I'm just checking out mentally from wrestling. I think I'm just burnout, you know? I'm like, I'm just a little burnout. It's fine. I'm a healless injury. I'm going to come back better than ever. Maybe this is a blessing in disguise, 
right? Maybe this is just a break I need mentally. And, you know, you get away from the fans for a little while, you know, absence makes the heart grow fonder and come back stronger than ever, right? So end up having to move to Birmingham, do rehab. So I'm waking up in the morning going, you know, once I kind of got rehab where I could train and stuff, you know, rehabbing twice a day. And then I'm waking up in the morning going for a run, going to my first rehab, uh, go eat lunch or whatever, maybe hit the chiropractor, go back for a second rehab, then go hit the gym, lift weights, you know, then co every single day, like a just a machine, just trying to build myself into the best version of myself. Because I'm already thinking like, okay, if it's only going to be eight more months, I don't want to give myself any reason lingering of like, maybe if I had just tried this or I didn't, I wanted to make sure I exhausted all my options with right. WWE and that I was totally sure that this is what I wanted to do. Right. I didn't want to like go out with a whimper. You know what I mean? I was like, I'm going to give this my absolute best effort in every way what that's pitching ideas up in Vince's face 24 seven, whatever it takes. You know what I mean? So I remember like around July, I think at this point, all I could do was like the recumbent bike because my arm was still jacked up. So I went to town on that bike. I was getting there every day, putting on uh, and just cranking on it. And uh, I like to do, you know, sometimes, you know, we like to sit around the house and put on like concerts and just hang out and talk and watch concerts. And I like to do that sometimes, like if I'm doing like a, something like that, like I just be riding a bike, I put my phone up and put on like concerts, performances. Mm -hmm. I love watching performances of anybody who's awesome, any guy or girl who's awesome at what they do. Mm -hmm. You know, whether that's Freddie Mercury at Live Aid or uh, Cody gave me a good one, uh, The Killers from Royal Albert Hall, mm -hmm. you know, Woodstock 99, whatever it is you're into, you know. And I remember watching like some concert and just watching just people just in their element, just playing their music the way they want to play it and just hitting on all cylinders and just connecting with the crowd on all cylinders and like maybe change a little lyric up, maybe say it in a little different way, just just mm -hmm. in the zone. You know, you know, you're a freaking rock star, right? right? Yeah, yeah. And I remember thinking like getting a little sad because I was like, I haven't felt that way in a long time. Huh, you know? So that, I think that was where the seed was planted, you know? Because I'm like, I'm just shackled in WWE. So once I get back from Birmingham, now I'm like, I'm training, I'm getting ready to go, finally finishing up the healing process. You know, now I'm like, okay, now it's time to start dipping my toe back into wrestling. Check out the product a little bit, uh, the current product, you know, and I start just getting obsessed again. Like I haven't watched wrestling in months and I'm like, so I'm watching new stuff, I'm watching old stuff, I'm watching stuff I liked when I was a kid, I'm watching stuff from Japan, I'm watching stuff from the indies, I'm watching Impact, I'm watching Ring of Honor, I'm watching everything, and I'm getting like so excited and I'm thinking of all these ideas and I'm like getting revved up. I'm like ready to go. But then I started thinking like, you know, I come up with ideas like, whoa, I could do this. I could come back and do this. Or wouldn't it be a cool way to come back and do this? Or I could go back and do that. Oh, that'd be cool too. And every time I go, no, they wouldn't go for that. No, they wouldn't go for that either. No, they wouldn't go for that either. And then I started thinking, man, maybe they're sitting around in the writer's room right now discussing what they're going to do for my return. And it's like me coming back in Oscar Mayer Wiener Mobile or something. And then I started getting like anxiety and like, and I started going, oh, I'm so excited to come back to wrestling, but I'm not excited about coming back to WWE. I was picturing myself other places. I was picturing myself coming back to like CZW. Mm. I was picturing myself in Japan, anywhere but WWE, you know? And then I'm like, 
But like I said, I was like, I was going to ride this out to the end, no matter what. So when it, when it comes time to come back, I took a page out of your book. I flew to Stanford to meet with Vince. And I'd had another meeting with him in February when they had a show in Vegas. And I went in and I was like, look, um, when I come back, you know, we got a long time, you know, to plan. I was like, I, I want to come back as a heel, as a totally different character. And I was explaining to him how just, I'm always telling him this, but I'm like trying to really hammer the point home. I hate my own character. I hate looking at myself in the mirror. I hate everything I do. You give me this goofy stuff. I try my best to hit it out of the park. It works sometimes, but I'm like, this is an opportunity to evolve and change and grow. I want to be something different. At that point, I thought that I might be able to come back at WrestleMania right about the four month mark. So that was you know, the pitch to come back maybe against Seth or whatever and kind of re-debut at WrestleMania as a new character. Mm. I would be out a lot longer than that, you know, but I'd already told them all this in February. So now I'm going to, now I'm going to double up on it and I'm going to fly to New York as you told me to do. Cause you told me a long time ago, you got to pitch to Vince in person. And I'm like, I didn't want to go to a show where he's busy. I was like, I'm going to, and I thought that would go a long way to tell yeah. him how serious I am. Who flies themselves in New York? I bet nobody's done that probably since you did that last. Right. So I, so I have a meeting with him or whatever. We sit down and I go over the same stuff and I pitch all, you know, my ideas for coming back. You know, I thought about maybe coming back on SmackDown and, uh, feud with like AJ and Daniel Bryan, uh, come back, you know, come back as a heel or come back and immediately, I don't know, I had a bunch of different ideas, open to talking, discuss, you know what I mean? But anything but what I've been doing for the last couple of years, you know? And all it was, was, well, uh, you know, they had the shield book for this big show in Australia in October and that's already advertised. So there's no way I'm going to be a heel anytime before then. And, the, and basically it was like, I'm just coming back assess partner and we're just going to do, which I love tagging with Seth, you know, great matches. Uh, but it's more of the same though. Yeah. I'm like, this is the same. Basically their idea for me coming back was exactly what everybody expected. No shock, nothing different. Just good old lunatic fringe again. Like that's it. And I remember leaving like real deflated. Like that's all we're going to do. Like, and I at least got him to like, I was like, they wanted me to come back the week before SummerSlam and then just at SummerSlam be in Seth's corner. And I'm like, at least let me come back at SummerSlam, make a big impact or whatever. I don't know what that's the right idea or not. And they're like, okay, you can come back at SummerSlam. So I leave, I'm like deflated. You know, I'm in Ohio training with, uh, I flew out uh, Joey Mercury and uh, was at uh, my original trainer, Cody Hawk's gym. You know, we're doing some training. I'm getting ready. I'm trying to like go back to just like old, school physical wrestling the way i started you know no hitting the ropes just, you know just real mean potatoes beating people up wrestling you know train my ass off to get back in the ring you know we're at dinner that night i'm sitting there with those two guys and he gives me he's get a text from koski actually we want to bring you back to tv this week and uh you're just gonna come out and you're just in seth's corner so it's exactly what they yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly what they originally told me they pretended right. like they were gonna go with my idea but they didn't and i remember just being like this, like I was like I'm not even back yet and I'm already pissed off and I'm like and their idea didn't even have any physicality mm. and I should remember showing the text to Joey and Cody and being like look at this is this a good return to you I've been out for nine months they want to walk out and just like hey guys that's it yeah. like but that's what we did I at least got him to add some physicality in there here's another example this is not a big deal this is not a big deal at all it's a tiny little example though about how they just screw everything up so, you know, you're, 
get on the shelf for nine months, you know, something that keeps you going. You're imagining like your pop that like, you know, unexpected music hits. Ah, place goes nuts. We haven't seen him in a long time. You know, you're waiting for that. You can't wait for it. Right. So they have this, this promo sex going on. And I didn't realize that they, the way they wrote this, I'm waiting there, waiting to sit behind the curtain, waiting to, you know, I'm, I'm waiting for that pop. I'm like, okay, this is all, all going to be worth it. Nine months. It's all going to be worth this pop, man. And the way it's written, Seth goes, it's not his fault. He was just reading the line. If you're going to have a Scottish psychopath in your corner, eh, I'm going to have a lunatic in mine. So like kind of the crowd went like, oh, he's so like it like it, it muddled the pop into like four different reactions because people were listening and then some people were popping and then by the time I came out, they were going nuts. But like. Right. It's a small example of like, they ruin everything. How do you screw that up? Hit the button, play the mute. But it's like, they have to get their hands in it. They have to like justify their jobs or something. Like they just, it's like just, it's a great example of like over, overproducing everything. everything. Yes. How do you screw that up? You know, mm -hmm. unbelievable. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. When you were, uh, um, even before the existence of AEW, are you even knowing about it? What was your plan to, to, like you said, you wanted to finish up and go and you mentioned CZW in Japan. Was that kind of what you were thinking about doing before you knew about AEW? Yeah, for sure. Like, uh, I mean, I mean, people are going to really get into this, uh, everybody wants the Monday Night Wars back and everybody's going to want to have this big Monday Night War between AEW and WWE. My leaving WWE exists outside of that. Whether AEW exists or not, I was still even WWE. Whether the, I mean, it's, it was good to know the wrestling business was doing so well outside of WWE, but even if it wasn't, I still would have left. If the wrestling, if there was no other promotions to work for in the world, I still would have left WWE. If there were no other wrestlers, I would have just started my own promotion, started my own training school, and trained my own opponents. I would have reseeded <laughs> the wrestling business from scratch if I had to. Um, but the timing of it is just is just so crazy. Mm. Like this, me and Cody keep going back and forth, and you two just serendipity. Whoa, all these little things is just so serendipitous. It's mm. just, and I love. I mean, obviously that was the instant rumor. Like as soon as it came out, oh, he's going to AEW. But people don't know anything, mm -hmm. you know. Other ones are saying that you're making a movie and that you're retiring and that you are gonna go. Yeah, I saw every possible rumor. I get a text every day for like a screenshot or link or what. Is this true? Is this true? Is this true? Right, right. Every single and I don't. I guess silence drives people nuts. Mm -hmm. And I've just been silent. People hate silence. They have to know. They have. They and the people that are supposed to know. They have to say something. Mm. You know, like so. They keep saying that they're gonna. There's new contracts coming. I know I'm not going to sign it, but I'm like, okay, it's coming next week. It's coming next week. We just got to get through Saudi and then a new contract's coming. You know, I'm like, okay, okay. And I'm waiting for it because I'm relishing the opportunity for them to go, here's your new contract. And me to go, not interested. Mm -hmm. I'm like waiting for it. I'm excited about it because I don't know how they're going to react. It eventually just doesn't come, doesn't come. And then it's like Royal Rumble weekend. And I'm thinking like, and I know I'm supposed to work with Seth on the Monday. And Carano's like, it's coming Monday. 
you know, Hunter wants to give it to you personally or whatever. And I just like couldn't hold it in anymore. We were at like some access or something. <laughs> I just couldn't hold it in anymore. I was like, dude, look, in 114 days or whatever it was, and he's like, no, 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 before you, before you say anything, hold on. I was like, I am gone. And he's like, no, 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 no. And then I was like, here's what, like I said, this is not, and this is what I told Vince too and Hunter. So this is not a decision I came to fast or lightly. This has been a long time coming. I'm not going to change my mind. This is not about any one particular thing. This is not an emotional decision. This is happening. I'm leaving and it's okay, you know? Mm -hmm. And he's like, ah, oh, you know. And he's like, well, you want me to tell them? I'm like, I do whatever, whatever information. I'm going to talk to Vince on Monday. I'm sure you're going to uh, I'm because I'm trying not to ruffle any feathers, you know, Royal Rumble weekend. I didn't tell anybody. I didn't tell Seth because I knew he was going over in the Rumble and I didn't want to put any weird yeah. mojo on him, you know. So I'm just like, look, we can just tell Vince whatever you know, if you want, whatever. I'll talk to him Monday. I can, t I can tell him after the show, before the show. We can talk next week. No rush. I'm, I'm here for another 90 days or whatever, mm -hmm. whatever it is. You know, I'm just putting it out there so you all know before you start advertising for Europe tours and year mania plans and all that. It seems like a time where you need to know Royal Rumble weekend that like who you got going forward and who you don't, you know? I'm trying not to make any trouble. So we get to Raw the next day. And I'm also secretly hoping that I'll just work with Seth. He'll curb stop me into oblivion and I'll get to go home. Because mm -hmm. I'm thinking there's no way they're going to keep me on TV. It's like know, February or something? Or, or this is January. January, right. There's no way they're going to keep me on TV if they know I'm going to be gone in three mm -hmm. months, right? Or they could try to bury me or whatever, but I'm, you know... But I don't know. We'll see what happens. So uh, I'm thinking, so it's a Phoenix early show again, five o'clock. So the meeting's going on early. So I'm like, I'm waiting for the meeting to get over so that I can, I'll talk to Vince be like, hey, you want to talk now, after, whatever, no rush. Not not telling anybody. And uh, I'm working with Seth, whatever. But an hour before the show, producer comes around to me. He's like, uh, there's been some additions. I'm like, what? And he's like, yeah. So anyway, you stay out there after the commercial break. Uh, Naya's music hits. She comes out, yada, yada, you take a bump for her. And I'm like, are you, are you serious? And he's like, yep. And Johnny comes around to me. Oh, we've got some additions. Uh, Vince said he's in his office, whatever. You know, come, Naya comes out, take the bump. Uh, he says, he's, he can, he, you know, you can go talk to him if you're uncomfortable with that. I said, yes, let's talk. Because now I'm getting hot. Yeah. And it's not because I don't, I'm not, I'm totally cool tangled with with Naya for Naya. I did it. It's 2019. She's a very powerful woman. She did great <laughs> right. in the Royal Rumble the night before. <laughs> right, right, right. If this existed outside of me leaving, that's a totally different conversation. Yeah. But I knew because here's the thing, the production meeting whittles down as it goes along. Yeah. They, they, they get rid of the, some people, then they get rid of the writers. And then, so an hour before the show, it's down to the super secret meeting. Whereas only like Vincent Hunter and maybe like Koski. Yeah. Those are the only people that knew I was leaving. So it was like once it gets down to the super secret meeting where the, only the people know I was leaving, that's when this mysterious new addition comes, comes in. And it really felt like just a middle finger. So like my skin was hot and I was like, let's go talk to Vince. So I, I go like storming toward the production meeting room. Johnny's like following me behind, like trying to <laughs> papers flailing everywhere. And I come storming into that and I walk, I come storming right up the middle of like the production meeting room. And he's immediately, he just gets up and he's grabbing his stuff. He's like, oh, my office, my office, I'm off. I'm like, yes, let's go to your office. So we sit down in his office and he starts baby facing me and he's like, oh, I understand you gave your notice and you know, uh, thank you so much for everything. And I'm like, I guess we're doing this now. And, you know, so, you know, we have our talk or whatever. You know, by this point, he's tried to justify it in his mind, you know, because 
Karano says something. I told Karano, like, yeah, I think the day I knew I was gone was that day I got the shot. So I think he told Vince that because Vince goes, yeah, I mean, I heard you were unhappy with something about the, the shot thing we did. I wish you'd have told me. Yeah. I didn't know you had all these problems. And I'm like, I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, why the fuck was I in your office then? I went storming in there and said, what the hell is this? Like, I do all the time. How do you not know? Of course you know. But he's he's got to, you know, he's got to make everything yeah, yeah, okay yeah. in his mind. Like, I, I didn't know. I had no idea. And right. I'm like, you knew. Mm. Like, you've known for a long time. Mm. So, and I, but I'm still trying to babyface him and be as nice as possible. Show all my gratitude. You know what I mean? It got, it got a little emotional. You know what I mean? And uh, on both sides. And, uh, but I said, I took the opportunity to say everything I wanted to say. Because I had been having this conversation in my head for months. So I was like, I'm getting everything off my chest. You know, and I, and I told him, I was like, every Monday, I get a physical sick feeling in my stomach. It happens every Monday on the dot. A writer will come up to me. Hey, Dean, we got you for six, six, whatever. And he's got a, he's got a script in his hand. And I don't know what, what kind of goofy nonsense, what kind of embarrassing stuff is on that script and what kind of challenges we'll lay ahead to try to just not look like an idiot today. And like, I get a physical sick feeling in my stomach. And he's like, I can't, this is, I can't, I know. And I'm like, I can't live like that. You know, I can't live in a world where I'm in like Paducah, Kentucky on a Friday working a house show. And there's some writers who I don't even know writing words for me right. in some office yeah. that, you know what I mean? I just, I can't, I can't do it anymore. You know, like, but I'm trying to be as, you know, just like, yeah, I just need to get away for a while. Just kind of, cause I'm hoping that he just writes me off TV that night. And he goes like, oh, and you know, he's like, yeah, and we'll just finish up at Mania, you know, and whatever. And he's like, hey, we're not going to bury you on the way out or anything like that. And I went, actually, it's funny you mentioned that. Cause that's the reason I stormed in here. Um, cause it looks to me like that's exactly what the fuck you're doing. Mm-hmm. And he goes, oh no, 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 no. And he proceeds to tell me this whole thing, idea he's got for me and Naya. And his, I, all I hear is like, we're burying the fuck out of you, blah, blah, blah. We're burying the fuck out of you. It's an attraction. And I was like, okay. I looked at Johnny. I'm like, okay. All right. You know, so I'm like, let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah. You know? And, uh, and we, you know, we, we actually had a good time. It was like fun. We we're doing the rehearsal. We we're just trying not to laugh. I was like saying funny things to her, you know, we, whatever, mm-hmm. to, you know, it was over. They took them out. They were like, let them fight. I'm like, oh, hey, it was cool. Whatever. But you guys were actually even supposed to do some house shows and stuff like that. Yeah, too, I, don't, I don't know what all they had planned. Oh, and also that night, because I worked with Seth before that, and there was a promo before with me and Seth and Triple H. It was live TV. I don't know what might happen because I just told them I'm leaving. And now there's this, you know, there's all this AEW stuff happening too. You know what I mean? I'm like, that you know that has nothing to do with it but i'm like i don't know what but now the cat's out of the bag about AEW. yeah yeah, no only yeah only only hunter and vince me knew and uh but i don't know what i'm going into with this live promo right because i'm like not that i don't think not that i don't trust triple h or think he would do something whatever but they are ruthless businessmen and they don't care and you're leaving i so i don't know what i'm going in for so i go i go out there and i'm like as long as my mic is live i'm good so I got bullets in the chamber and it's kind of like a half shoot kind of promo anyway. You know what I mean? And you have a little bit of room with triple H to like wiggle and play around a little bit, but I got, I got bullets in the chamber. This can get as awkward as you guys want it to get. I'm ready, but nothing bad happened. You know, it all went great, whatever. So 
But the fact that you recognize that, you know, like you said, it's a very uh, like ruthless yeah. businessman type of a thing. Because they actually, like you mentioned, you said they're going to finish up at Mania. You didn't. You pretty much oh, went no. down to the wire. But, I mean, they they were pushing you all the way up to the end. The final thing with the shield. I mean, they, they didn't try and bury you on the way out at all, as far as I can recall. Well, it's open to interpretation. So, after that, like, it might have been the next day after that uh, thing with Naya. Now the rumors leak out. Now everybody knows. Now my phone doesn't stop ringing for 48 hours. Everybody's like, is this work? What's going on? Whatever. So now they put out this weird press release. Yeah, let's talk about that. It was so bizarre. And people are like, what is this press release? And I was, that, and I was like, that's awesome. It's never been done before. Mm-hmm. It, all that ever happens is the uh, wish future, future endeavors. Yeah, because the press was basically said, you know, that Ambrose's contract, he's not resigning and he'll be leaving <laughs> at the end of April and we wish him luck and hope he comes back. But they've never trumpeted that before it's unprecedented yeah it was like a glowing review mm-hmm. yeah and uh so i was like all right cool, cool. Like, i don't know i don't know i'm not saying anything that I, what i think happened is they just felt like they're getting backlash or whatever like mm-hmm. I, I i don't i don't know the motivation behind that press release but that's why a lot of people thought it was work well yeah because maybe because they wanted to have the jump on it because they knew rumors would get around or something like that or? exactly because they want to control the narrative yeah that's the thing that Vince hated about this whole situation, why it was so bizarre and there were so many ups and downs, because he has no control. Mm. Because I told him, I don't care how many zeros you want to put on a piece of paper, I am gone. And he just, he's got the million dollar man complex. He has to be able to buy, every, he's got to mm-hmm. be able, that's why he pays Brock billions of dollars to come in and ruin right. his company. Because he wants to own Brock. He wants to be like, ah, Brock's my attraction, you know? And my, a guy he has no power over of, power over me, he didn't know how to handle it. So it was like, it went in a bunch of weird, crazy directions over five months. Did they months. ever eventually give you the new deal? And, and what did you do when they did? I never looked at it. So they literally gave you a contract in an envelope or whatever. You just took it and gave it right back. I didn't look at it, no. <laughs> I didn't want to. But that shows how, 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 and like I said, I can empathize with you because I went to the same thing when I left WCW. You can offer me a million dollars. I'm not taking it. Because it's not about the money anymore. It's about literally, like you mentioned, killing my love for this business. It's all I've ever wanted to do, and now I don't want to do it anymore. And Eddie felt the same, and Benoit felt the same, and Malenko felt the same. It was killing your 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 you know will to to be a part of of this of this business at all, dude. Yeah, I mean, I remember thinking, uh, oh cramp on my leg. I remember thinking at one point earlier on in, in the you know thinking about decision. What if they offer me ten million dollars? Right. Like a Brock contract, right? Like, just what if they offer me just ten million dollars? Mm-hmm. What am I going to do with ten million dollars? Mm-hmm. I have my truck is paid off, my house is paid off, my mother's house is paid off. I got everything I need. Mm-hmm. What am I going to do with ten million dollars? Am I going to go buy a Maserati? You know, I don't, I don't live like that. You know, so I'm like, there's literally no number they could put on a piece of paper that would get me to stay. It's almost like over the years, like, like a physical depression set it sets in because they take away the thing that you love like you know like i was saying you're being obsessed with wrestling 24 7 it's like they take it away from you they go like oh don't worry about coming up with your own promos because we have a writer Mm -hmm. don't worry about coming up with cool things to do in your matches because we have producers who will tell you exactly what to do in your matches don't bother thinking of storylines because we've already written them for you don't be an artist to be creative it's kind of like hey don't worry we've taken care of everything you just show up Mm -hmm. so you go oh okay so what do i do in my off time what do I have to think about? Mm-hmm. Uh, so you try to fill it with other things. And like, 
that's a recipe for a very unhappy person, a very unfulfilled existence. And like, I think just like a depression set in at some point, like not to, uh, you know, minimize anybody who actually goes through like real, I remember like, uh, I, like web MD in it. Cause I mean, there were days like TV days where I'd like be in bed and like wake up and just like stare at the ceiling and like couldn't get out of bed. Like no motivation to go work out, no motivation to do like depression, just, just dreading going, having this moment with the writer that I'm going to have that I described events, you know, like, like, I mean, just, it's crazy. Like the, the fog that has lifted like slowly since like it kind of became real mm-hmm. that like, Oh, I am leaving. It's all good to, to now, like the past month. I mean, I'm like literally entire, entirely different person. They, it's they, crazy. They call it Stockholm syndrome. But like when people are in prison, they end up, you know, falling in love with their captors and can't envision not being in prison and not being told what to do by the warden, for example. And I'm not saying it's the same thing in WWE, but when you're in that system, you don't realize what it's like in the outside world. And when you get on the outside world, it's like, I can't believe it's, it's this easy. I can't believe it, it's, this is really how it can be not in that world. Yeah, it's, uh, it's crazy, man. Like, looking back on it now, I'm like, I can't believe I hung in there that long. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. And it's a shame to think of, like, the... I don't ever want to be one of those, like, I could have been a contender, guys, mm-hmm. like, to, you know, who sit and bitch about the past, what should have been. I should have been on top. I got screwed by Hogan, or you know what I mean? Right. Well, I do think there was a lot of stuff they missed out on with me mm-hmm. i don't i just i don't care it's over you know i don't think it was meant to happen i think i've been i was meant to be sitting here today talking to you because about- the ultimate goal or the ultimate reward i got from wwe was that now i'm sitting here with all my freedom and i got to go do that and it's like it's the ultimate gift because like it's almost like now i get to start over mm-hmm. it's like i'm 18 again i can be anything i want to be i can as a wrestler as a performer as an artist I can do anything. And now I have like experience and stuff that I can, also, I'm, like, like, I'm starting ahead of the game now. You and know, you can actually, we discussed this before, make a difference. You or I going back there, are you staying? It's, it's the WWE, it's not going anywhere. It's the machine, it's, it's, it is what it is. We have a chance to actually change things in the business with AEW and be a big part of this new, you know, history. Oh, it's very, oh, dude, it's very exciting. Mm-hmm. Like to, to be able to be a difference maker is such a, I, I haven't had that. And, you know, I can't remember. Like, you know, one thing, I mean, I, that I want to do is because, like, if I have something to prove, it's that I want to prove that your creative process, the WWE's creative process, sucks. Mm-hmm. It does not work. It's absolutely terrible. And I, I said, I've said that to Vince. I've said that to Hunter. I've said that to Michael. Hey, I, I think that whatever, I can't even tell you how their system works. It's some kind of system of meetings that take place in Stanford and there's a home team. There's writers and producers and uh, production meetings and nobody knows what's approved and what's not. And like the bureaucratic red tape you have to go through to get anything approved. Yeah. And, and it's just, it's crazy. It doesn't work. It's killing the company. I think, you know, like, and I think Vince is the problem. And not so much Vince, but Vince and whatever the uh, structure that he built around himself, probably starting in like, I'd imagine like 2002, after the sale of WCW. Right. And he started building this infrastructure around himself, this team of writers and whatever, and producers and however he does it. And this is how WWE is. And this is what the product is. The product sucks. Great talent, amazing talent. None of this is their fault, you know? You know, so I'm hoping 
if I had a goal with AEW, it's that we could prove that Vince's way sucks. I mean, this is not what I'm going to focus on because it's not about competing with WWE. I don't think that's any of our... Yeah. It's an alternative. It's any of our mission. Yeah. We're just going to be over here doing our best, putting on our best product. And if that, if a byproduct of that is it pushes WWE to reevaluate their creative process and it makes Vince, not that he's going to step aside, we all know he's going to die in the chair, but maybe if maybe he'll listen to somebody else's ideas. Maybe he'll be open and do it in a different way. You know? Maybe he won't micromanage everything so much. I think yeah, that's the, the biggest problem. The microman. The last I've never been micromanaged more in the, than I was in the last four months. Mm. Once I turned heel, it was, it was so weird. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Did you feel at any point, uh, besides a few times that you mentioned with Nia Jackson, that they tried to, to bear you in any other way? Well, so after that, they do the weird press release. Then they put me against EC3, debuting from NXT. Great mm -hmm. talent, great friend of mine. Mm -hmm. uh, excited to work with him. They have EC3 come in as a babyface, defeat me in two minutes. I don't know if this is before or after the press release. Uh, they, it's at, like at the same time. Mm -hmm. The crowd does not like this because it's transparent what's happening. Right. It's obvious. And, and this is not a, this is not good for EC3 mm -hmm. because it's, now he's going to get the backlash. So it was an unfair position for him to be put in. So then we get to that weekend. I'm working with EC3 on house shows. Now I'm the biggest baby face on the show. Right. I mean, I'm thumbing him in the eye. I'm making fun of the town. Doesn't matter. They're just. You're the bigger name and you're the underdog. They're, yeah. yeah. They're violently rejecting him as a baby face and cheering the hell out of me because now now that it's, now it's like it has nothing to do with him it's like an anti-wb yeah, you're a martyr yeah yeah so so then they go i'm talking to the writer with text and he's like you're gonna work with ec3 again he beats you in two minutes again <laughs> and i was like i couldn't help it i was like am i the only? i was like fine that's cool am i the only one who sees the inherent problem in this and even the writer knew he's like oh that's making you a baby face or that it looks like we're bearing bearing you and that's backfiring. And I'm like, yep, that stuff. That's what I was talking about. He's like, yep, I know. Mm -hmm. But it's Vince. He's got, yeah, he's determined. So by the time we get to that Monday, the, from what I understand, the reports from the house shows, the producers are telling him what's happened. And he's pissed. Apparently, he's like mad about this. Mm -hmm. That like, God forbid, so sorry that the fans who have busted my ass for for years uh, might be upset at the fact that you want to bury me on my way out. Right. You know, like, sorry, dude, you know, yeah. like that I've given my body up for, you know, sorry that they have a shred of respect for me that you apparently don't have. Mm -hmm. So then I get to the TV that and they're just like, Jamie was a producer. He just comes up to me. He goes, you're going to do a little promo. Seth, he's a heel. You're a baby face. Mm -hmm. We just switch roles. No explanation. <laughs> so I mean, I guess that was their solution. And then like the shield comes back and then we do that whole thing. And then, and then I start working a series of matches with Drew McIntyre who we've had a bunch of great matches, but now it's like increasingly uh, less time, more DQ matches right. and more. And every week, I think this is where they finally write me off 
So they put me through tables. <laughs> they put my head in a guardrail, smash my head off. He's kicking my head off every week. Now, now it's like a different gimmick match every week. So it's like they tried to kill me figuratively twice and it backfired. So now they're just going to kill me literally. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was like, okay. And just kept, you know, and it was crazy because I'm a couple, like, like a few weeks before Mania and I'm in a main event of Raw and I'm like, this is impossible. I'm possibly somehow I'm in the main event at all. I thought for sure they were going <laughs> yeah. to just take me off TV. They, right. But but he has to be in control and somehow. He had to exert whatever control over he, he, me he could. You know? How big was it for, for the Shield to kind of be disbanded and be be done? Because the Shield, I think, if you look at one of the, probably one of the biggest factions with DX, top two, top three of all time. Um, and to me, that was a, a huge thing from a business kind of a sideline business thing where not only are we losing Ambrose, but we're losing the shield as well. Yeah, I mean, uh, yes, that, you know how much I got paid for uh, that uh, the last the last show I did. This, and now this is the shield special. This is a about, house show. Uh, about uh, hello, uh, Renee. The house show. Hi. Uh, the Shield special uh, uh, live on yeah, the yeah. network. This is literally they made turn this into a special. Flew in writers yeah. and cameramen and everything. Put it on the network, basically for me. Right, five hundred dollars. <laughs> Got paid five hundred bucks for that sucker. I can just imagine Vince and like Carano and them at the oh, what are we gonna pay you? Five hundred bucks. Oh, Screw him. Yeah. Which is like, that's the minimum. That's what you get to just show up. That's an what hour. you get if you're like an opening match guy from NXT. You know, yeah. not building a whole special around you yeah if you show up to tv and they don't use you you get 500 bucks or like i think that's like what extras get yeah yeah that's right. like the minimum 500 bucks for the network special come do you on remember we had i thought about calling them for a second but i was like nah it's funnier to just we, do you remember when we headlined asheville uh it was the asheville street fight jericho yeah, versus man. ambrose and they paid us 750 bucks yeah and you said i don't get off my couch for seven hundred. <laughs> yeah i told vince the next time can i set up a table sell some gimmicks in the back of the room like yeah, virgil right? But I mean, and yeah, you, and you know what that is. That's just one last little kind of F you, Ambrose. Here's your 500 bucks. Yeah, See you later. Buddy. I actually like it. I should frame that check. Well, yeah, don't spend it for sure. Yeah, so. um, a few other things as we start to wind down here. When you started really embracing the concept of AEW and now you've made your first appearance. And, and I mean, I think that like we talk about the, the, the happenstance, the serendipity and all that sort of stuff. But what is your what is your goal for, for, for coming to AEW? Because you're very driven, you're very creative and you seem like you have you feel you have something to prove. I'm, I'm picking that up from what we've been saying the last hour or so. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's about being the best version of myself, finally, and being able, you know, having the creative freedom to just like, oh, come up with an idea and just do it. Well, we're going to have that here in AEW. And, you know, from the first time I talked to them, they're just like, you know, I've always been friends with Cody, always vibe with him. Cody's kind of like me that, like, first and foremost, wrestling fans. Like, when he was, like, Stardust and stuff, you know, and he'd be painting up, he'd be in the locker room, he'd have his little iPad, and he'd put on yeah. WWE Network and just put on... Matches. Put on, like, yeah. old WCW or, like, whatever, you know. War Games 89 yeah. or something. And, like, yeah. we always, like, we always just, me and him would always just sit there and watch all this wrestling and talk about Because we just, like, loved, mm-hmm. we love wrestling. And just, he, he has a very, we think of wrestling in a very, very similar way. Mm-hmm. And uh, just everything he said from the get-go was like, yo, play, play your music your way. And, you know. He went through a lot of the same stuff, you know, during his exit from WWE, you know, when I was telling him about, you know, my, he's like, oh, I went through the same thing, you know, it was like the kind of depression that you go through where you're like this, you know, where you're trapped in something yeah. you don't want to be, you know, like where we, we share that experience and just, uh, 
I feel like a lot, me and him are kind of two sides of the same coin in a lot of ways. We've been through a lot of the same experiences, but we went through them at different times in mm -hmm. a different order. You know, and I like the wrestling can be anything. You know, he says it can be anything. You can have the lucha guys, you can have the hardcore match, you can have the old school, you know, and I'm like, for so long I've been told wrestling is this. Mm -hmm. This is all wrestling is. Mm -hmm. That I'm like, I can't wait to just like open up my mind. And like I said, it's kind of, I'm almost like, my goal is like, not look at it like, like I got something approved to Vince or WWE or anything like that. Cause I don't give a shit about WWE. Mm -hmm. They're in the past, mm -hmm. got, you know, I want them to be good. I want, you know, like I said, if a byproduct of us being good is they have to change their creative process and uh, they get better. Cause I want my friends that are there to be happy. My wife's there. I want her to be happy. I want every, I want the business to be better. I want the fans to be happier with their products. So, but I don't care about them. They're in the past. They're in a the back burner. I want to be the best version of myself. You know, I mean, this past month I've been home, you know, I only get like a month, only got a month home to just like rest and recharge. And uh, so, I mean, I've just been chiropractor massage, training twice a day, mm -hmm. you know, getting everything fixed. You know, I got hooked up with a, a new trainer, Gil Gardado here is actually Randy Couture strength and conditioning mm -hmm. coach. And just, I was like, yo, let's just start. I want to just start over, build a foundation from the get go as like as an athlete. So working on like agility and strength of power and, you know, hopefully, hopefully a year from now, I'm just like a fully new <laughs> athlete, you know, this is like the whole world is my oyster now. I can do anything, be anything, you know, like. You're and, inspired again. Yeah. And like, you know, some people might, you know, want to put you in that little hole of what they think you are and you can't be anything but that. But I'm like, I could do anything, mm -hmm. you know, and there's a bu bunch of bucket list stuff I'm going to do by the end of the year that uh, is going to be cool that's going to be challenging. I'm going to put myself in uncomfortable, unfamiliar situations and try to just rise to the occasion. And I'm, you know, there's, I can look now there's like new styles to learn. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. There's new opponents to, to work to with. work with. Yeah. They're just like, there's, it's all just, just, I can't wait. You know, like you could argue that I should have just taken a year off and just healed my body and just rested and everything like that. But I'm like, Physically, I feel pretty good. You know, I'm doing the best I can with a month before I really step on the gas pedal. But mentally, I cannot wait to get started. I'm like chomping at the bit. And I'm timing is everything. It just so happened that Double or Nothing takes place a month after your deal is up. Dude, the first time I heard that when you were like, yeah. Yeah. I, I was like, man, you know, tell me all this stuff about, you know, play your music your way and everything. I'm like, that's amazing. Like, I, mm -hmm. I want to be part of this 100%. Like, like, let's go. I'm with you. Let's take the world on like let's make history and like and just that it was in vegas 20 it was just like right. they're so like once again this it was just so yeah. crazy like the universe was just because i didn't have to necessarily go to aw you know right what i mean there's no. a bunch of other options you know i got a lot of people at the table you know what mm -hmm. i mean i could just you know and it was a little scary to sign a contract with you know like a corporation mm -hmm. a little because i'm like i just got done with that but like <laughs> but it's, it's totally different though it's like i love this like for the boys, by the boys, you know. What, what did I mean? you think of uh, Tony Khan when you met him? This is what you said. He's the exact opposite events, <laughs> right? But I liked him because yeah. the thing I like about him, man, is that he's a wrestling fan. Mm. He can sit here and talk to you about ECW pay per views from '98, everything. And just talking to him is like, there's passion there. Yeah, he's like more. He's more of a wrestling fan than Vince is. Mm. Vince loves sports entertainment and he loves promoting and he, lo you know what I mean. He's a, 24 7 workhorse, but like tony's just like a fan who loves wrestling and is just like so 
fun to talk to anybody about. Right? I think the thing about Vince too is is I kind of feel bad for him sometimes because thinking about this, he can't he can't take a break. Does he still have the passion for wrestling? Could you still have the passion for wrestling when all you do is deal with wrestling for forty years every day, every day? You, you like I wonder if it, what could ignite that for him again. If it's even possible to do that, and you know the passion that Tony oh, no. has, I'll put a challenge out to him right now. Your creative process sucks. Change it. <laughs> the facial expression after that was great. Speaking of which, though, we're laughing about this. Uh, I always love the fact that it's uh, at Dean Ambrose was your Twitter and the description. Ooh, was, I'm very excited to tell this story. The, the description was. They made me get one of these, so here it is. Enjoy. And you never followed anybody, and you never posted one freaking tweet. Until, Until the day I became king of all social media. <laughs> That's right. One tweet. Mic drop bitches. <laughs> one tweet, yeah. three million views or whatever it is at this I point. I got to tell this story, Please especially because I got a shout out to my boy. So yeah. I had the idea back, in, back before anybody knew I was leaving in January mm -hmm. that I was like, okay, how is this going to look, you know? So I'm like, obviously, you know, the world's different now. You right. got to use social media. You know, I'm not stupid, you know, just because I don't want to, you know, get on there and communicate with people and read comments doesn't mean I don't, I'm not an idiot. I know that like social media is the way of the world now. Right. So I'm like, okay, what do I do? You know, where am I going to show up? So I'm like, okay, my idea was I'm a big fan of like movie trailers, mm -hmm. right? And kind of the inspiration for this was like the Venom teaser trailer when I first saw it. Venom with Tom Hardy because mm -hmm. you didn't see it was only like 30 seconds yeah. and you didn't see Venom and the movie didn't come out for like eight months but it gave you just enough to where you're like oh I can't wait till that movie comes right, out yeah, we yeah. have to wait so long at that point I kind of knew likely Double or Nothing was going to be the the first appearance you know and I've had to go to great lengths to make sure I'm not like advertised or anything mm -hmm. for anything before that I've been keeping people at bay and having to having to tell people to F off mm -hmm. so I apologize to everybody I'm doing that to <laughs> There's uh, a reason. Yeah. Um, so I'm like, okay, my idea was like to make a movie trailer kind of thing, like a teaser trailer from just promoting myself and drop it at exactly midnight on April 30th. Like, so it's like literally the minute that I get out of WWE, it's like, oh, it's about to get real. It's mm -hmm. on. So the people get excited. It's John you know? Moxley. So, yeah. yeah. So I'm like, huh, I wonder how I do that. Like, I don't really, you know, and I, it, it became more ambitious than I originally had envisioned it right so i'm like i don't really know how to i'm not a technology savvy guy i don't really know how to do all that but i know the people that i do know how to do all that stuff they're all in wwe right? and i'm like this is a secret so i'm like huh and i'm like screw thinking about it i'm just gonna do it right so i hit up my friend who wrestling fans may know as one sick nick mondo mm. was actually uh, something of a deathmatch legend mm -hmm. right and now he's a filmmaker in la and uh, I met him in Japan when he was, he's a very interesting guy. He was living in Japan, uh, learning how to be a filmmaker. And uh, we kept in touch. He has a, uh, you know, we first started talking when he has, he put out a movie called uh, The Trade. It's called The Trade. And it's a kind of a docudrama. Right, guess, about was, his life. About and, uh, his life and everything. And uh, Fantasy sequences in it. Yeah. yeah, and we kind of vibe because the, kind of the theme of it is like, what drives you to like, mutilate yourself mm -hmm. like self-harm like getting like some kind of satisfaction out of like putting yourself through glass and light tubes and stuff like that and like what is the why did yeah. why do you do that the thrill, and, and i'm like is it like some kind of deep down thing or is it like childish like what is the thing and i that hit real close to home to me so i you know started talking with him about that film and stuff anyway we became friends and uh so i just hit him up and i was like yo 
do you do like you know like trailers and stuff <laughs> like that you know is that kind of what you do because he's a freelance filmmaker he's like yeah for instance and he sent me a couple examples of different trailers and i went like i think you're the guy so i was like look here's the deal i'm gonna be leaving wwe yada yada and i gave, gave my idea and he's like uh, totally and he's like so he's then he sends me this like treatment where he's like you're in a prison and then the, then there's drums building and it was like a full movie script and i was like <laughs> you're hired you are the guy and i was like so we uh, started collaborating on that or whatever, and and we filmed it in February, and I had you know the typical two days off in between uh, in between loops. So I landed in Vegas, threw the dogs in the truck, drove out to L.A., and we filmed for pretty much two days straight. Because mm. it takes look. Because when you do, we rented a red camera. You know, yep. you know what a red fancy. camera is. Yeah. It's like the highest quality. It's like what they film Lord of the Rings on. Mm -hmm. Like I spared no expense with this <laughs> some bitch. It was like eight grand all told, you know, totally worth it. Two days of just nonstop oh, yeah. filming because there's a lot of sitting around, setting up shots. You know what I mean? I mean, he had like we hired actors. He had like a run sheet. We mm -hmm. so for the prison, we we rented out this like film set in L.A. where it's like it's a warehouse where they have a bunch of different sets. They have like a prison, a bar, a courthouse and all the different rooms for you to film the various things. So we do the prison scene. Then we're like, you know, so it took two days. Actually. Vince texted me at like what would have been four in the morning his time while I was while I was filming this to, oh. to try to get me to extend my contract to do the <laughs> Europe tour. Wow. And he's like, hey, pal, need a favor. Need you to know whatever the biggest box office we would have would be the shield last run through Europe, whatever these dates. And for a half a second, I was like, eh. and then I was like, no, yeah. I was like, for now you want a favor for me. But I'm like a few months ago, that wasn't. Yeah, this isn't how you wanted it to go. Now you need a favor. I'm like, dude. And it's not like you're going to put me on WrestleMania and do some angle that we're going to follow up on the tour with. Like, no, screw you. Mm -hmm. Like, you want me to do your brutal post-Mania tour, but... Right, right. I was yeah. like, yeah, I'm thinking like, call Dave. And you just paid me 500 call, bucks. Call Dave, call Triple H, call Brock. You know what I mean? Call somebody else. Right. I ain't show Huckleberry this time. <laughs> so what I told him was I said, sorry, I'm committed to a film project, which technically, was, right. technically wasn't lying because... So I knew he would take it like I was on a movie set. But the film project I was committed to was dropping this exactly midnight when I'm like, I already committed, man. I already paid for it. I'm out here. I'm out here running through fields at four in the morning. Like, I'm done, man. Like, right. this is happening. That's just a funny aside. But uh, but when you released it, though, man, it was a huge success right oh, off the bat. Uh, yeah, that's how I had envisioned that for months, mm -hmm. you know. So and it, cool thing was I didn't even tweet it. My uh my social media guru guy tweeted it. So he had it set up to where like Like on a timer. Yeah. Yeah, like agency I was meeting with during Mania Week in New York, you know, just about other entertainment mm -hmm. stuff. And I told them the idea and I showed them the video and they're like, Oh, let's get our guy in here. So they brought in like their social media expert and he's like, Oh yeah, we can just set it we'll embed it directly into Twitter and they do it a certain way where they work specifically with Twitter where you keep your followers and all I don't know. Oh, I don't know over. I don't know how that works. But he had it on a timer to where like it was set to go at exactly midnight it changed over and the mm. video popped up the when that went up i was actually on stage at the cauliflower alley club mm. in vegas giving out an award to my original trainer cody hawk so i was on on stage giving like <laughs> presenting an award at the moment that tweet went up right right and then by half hour later by the time i got home because i ran out of there real yeah. quick and then by the time i got home it was like the exact response I wanted it to have, you yeah, know, a million, two million, so, three million. Yeah. Yeah. Let me plug his stuff just so I don't want to. 
Last, as you're looking that up, what did uh, Roman and Seth say when you told them you were going to leave? Um, because I mean, I know you guys are fairly close. Yeah, I mean, that's cool. Like this, you don't want everybody to be happy, kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like they sad, it, sad to see you go, but like also like they've been with me, watching me go through all this crap, and they know. You know what I mean? So they like, know how you are, right? Yeah. yeah. So. Um, what I told Seth was like, he's like, man, I'm so bummed out, dude. And I said, dude, this is like the ending of Harry and the Hendersons. <laughs> where like they released him into the woods and all the other Sasquatches pop up. And now he's he's back. He's where he needs to be. You know, I'm a wild animal, babe. I've been domesticated <laughs> too long. He's wow. like, he's like, actually, that's that that's a perfect description. It is a know? perfect description <laughs> as well. Yeah. Anyway, if so, NickMondoMedia.com and at NickMondoMedia. For anybody, he's a filmmaker, a go-go for anybody who needs any type of filmmaking he's services. He's the one who made that trailer, which was just yeah. blew up the internet. Yeah, we're actually trying to, uh, right now we're kind of taking that, we're going to take it a step further. We made a 90-second movie, so right now we're in the development stages of we're trying to make our own like feature-length actual mm. action movie mm. where he would direct and I would star. Mm -hmm. So right, we're in the early stages of putting that together now. So Because now yeah. the war now anything can happen. Right. You know, like you I can do anything. You don't have to ask permission to go do you know a, a, a sitcom for five minutes or whatever yeah, it is. Just the rest of the year, there's some stuff. I don't know when people are going to hear this. There's some stuff that I'll be doing that will, you know, some people will be like, you're doing that? No way. That's, you know, but I'll be like, I can do whatever I want, you know? <laughs> and from now, from now on, everything I do, nothing is about money. With AEW, we didn't even discuss money. Mm -hmm. We literally didn't, you know, just because from day one with them, I was like, well, this isn't, this ain't about money, you know? Yeah. We vibe on everything else. Right. Nothing I do is like motivated by money. Everything I do, whether it's a show I do, like a wrestling show I do, a match I have, a, something I, uh, anything I do, any project I'm involved in, I'm chasing and directed by passion, mm -hmm. creativity, artistic satisfaction, and fun. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. that's what I'm chasing. And I think the rewards, be they monetary or otherwise, will come. Yeah. It's about, like I said, it's about becoming the best version of myself that I can be. And that might take, and, you know, I think you can always grow and always get better and always learn new things. I mean, I'm only 33, mm -hmm. you know? I mean, you're what, 48? Mm -hmm. You know, and you're on your top of your game now. Mm -hmm. You've totally reinvented yourself. Right. I got a lot of future ahead of me. Mm -hmm. And it, it, it could be anything. It could be anything I want it to be, you know? It's exciting. Yeah, I ain't the freaking elf in, uh, you know, it's like the elf in uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. He wants to be a dentist. <laughs> but everybody tells him, Hermie, you're an elf. But he's like, I want to be a dentist, you know. So I'm here to tell everybody, man. No matter where you are, who you are, what you come, if the, if you want to be a dentist, then you're an elf. You go be a dentist. You don't <laughs> let anybody tell you, you know. That's great. Last question for you: Who are you looking forward to working with uh, in AEW? Oh, everybody, mm. literally everybody. And it, you know, I'm a, I'm in a little bit of a different position, more similar to you, where like, you know, I can help bring eyeballs, you know, because mm -hmm. now I'll be on TNT or whatever. And like, if somebody's flipping through channels and they go, oh, that's the dude from The Shield. What is this? Who's mm -hmm. that? Who's Hangman Page? Right, right. Oh, he's cool. Oh, what's AEW? AEW is awesome. You ever seen a young buck? You know, so yeah. like, I'm kind of thinking of it like, however I can help the most, mm -hmm. put me in that position, you know? So I think, and I'm, it's just, I'm so excited. You I know? think like, where we're going to be able to help a lot too is, is we're guys, and there's very few that have the experience of working weekly live television live tv is live tv big, like dude. kenny i was talking to kenny about it the other day he's like i've never done it before it's like it's not hard to learn but there are some tricks that you need to learn that we know yeah i mean the first time i mean 
there's just so much when I got to WWE that I thought I knew that I didn't know. Right. Because about cameras and, you know. Hard cameras yeah. and 30 seconds before the break and all this other stuff. Yeah, so. and it, it might, you know, it, the exciting part is it's going to be a lot of trial by fire. Mm -hmm. We have no idea what's going to happen. No. You know? I like Who knows? That. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? We're like, we're rolling down the river on like a barrel. Yeah. You know, just Going trying to trying rally. to stay out, trying to stay above the water. <laughs> like, it's so exciting, you know? Yeah, dude. Well, I'm glad I can tell how excited you are. I feel the same way. And uh, here we are, brother. AEW Adventure begins. Dude, I don't know you, man. I don't know. I wish I had a great closing line, man. Hey, we're going to war. You already said, if you want to be yeah. a dentist and you're an elf, be a dentist. Thanks, dude. Totally. Hermie doesn't like to make toys. Do you mind telling me what you do want to do? Well, sir, someday I'd like to be a, a dentist. A dentist? Well, we need one up here. I've been studying. It's fascinating. You've no idea. Molars and bicuspids. Oh, listen, you. You're an elf. And elves make toys. Now get to work. Ten minutes break.